morning, everyone, and welcome to Julius Bear's Moving Markets podcast. It's Thursday, the 27th of July, and my name is Helen Freer. So it was, of course, the Fed meeting yesterday where the FOMC decided to raise interest rates by 25 basis points. And today the ECB meets, so we'll get their decision later. On today's show, I'll be talking about this and more market news with my colleague Bernadette Anderko. Then Norbert Rucker will update us on the oil market. And we have Nicola Jordan with us as well. He'll give us an update from the CIO office. But let's start with the latest market news. Good morning, Bernadette. Good morning, Helen. So the main headline then is, as expected, I just mentioned it, the US Federal Reserve raised interest rates by 25 basis points yesterday. Were there any surprises in terms of what came out of their meeting? Not really, um, Helen. This, this rate hike of a quarter of a point takes the target range for the Fed's benchmark federal funds rate to five and a quarter to five and a half percent as the highest level in 22 years. Um, it was a unanimous decision. And afterwards, uh, while uh, Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, pointed to encouraging signs that the Fed's rate hikes are working to contain price pressures, he did reiterate that policymakers have got a long way to go to return inflation to their 2% goal. And he certainly wasn't giving the game away when it comes to whether or not the Fed is going to hike rates again at their next meeting, which is on um, September 19th to 20th. He did uh, reference a raft of economic data that's going to be published ahead of that meeting. Um, officials are going to be looking for moderate growth, cooling inflation, and also for supply and demand to come into better balance, especially in the labour market, um, in order to decide whether um, and when to raise rates again. And listening to him talk after the rate announcement, he did also hint that rate cuts aren't going to be coming probably until at least a full year from now. OK, and how have markets reacted to the news? Overnight in the US, uh, the main benchmarks closed mixed. The Dow Jones finished higher for the 13th straight session. That was uh, tying the record that it first set in January 1987. It closed at 35,520. Uh, the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq Composite ended the trading day slightly lower. I have to say the markets took the decision um, in their stride. As Powell spoke, stocks rallied, Treasury yields and the dollar fell, as one might expect. Um, two commodity-driven currencies, uh, the New Zealand and Australian dollars, have now strengthened the most against the US dollar, as traders anticipate less likelihood of uh, further interest rate increases uh, this year. Asia markets have all reacted positively to the Fed move, with the Hang Seng up 1.5%. Um, futures linked to the S&P 500 have traded flat. The Dow Jones Industrial Average futures added 24 points, and futures connected to the Nasdaq 100 have risen 0.2%. Gold and Bitcoin futures are up uh, 0.3, 0.4%. And what about European markets? Anything to report there? Yeah, well, uh, obviously they close ahead of the US rate hike, but we're certainly expecting it. And obviously they're anticipating a further hike from the ECB today. Um, European stock markets closed mainly lower with the CAC 40 uh, hit by LVMH's Q2 announcement, which reported a surprise slowdown in their US sales. And in Asia this morning, any major news? Uh, China's industrial profits uh, have extended this year's double-digit pace of declines into a six-month, but they at least did drop at a slower pace in June. Um, nevertheless, worsening factory gate deflation and slowing consumer spending have continued to squeeze businesses' margins there. Um, over in Hong Kong, the Monetary Authority raised its base rate by 25 basis points today, just hours after the Federal Reserve's hike. 
Um, and in company news, Xpeng, uh, a Chinese electric car maker, has rallied 30% this morning on the back of an announcement by Volkswagen that it intends to invest 700 million US dollars in the company. Um, competitors Neo Inc. and Li Auto Inc. have also gained on the back of this. And Samsung also came out with their results. Uh, they posted a massive profit drop in the second quarter as weak demand for memory chips continued. But they did say that global demand is expected to gradually recover in the second half of the year, which should leave, lead to an improvement in earnings driven by the uh, component business. Nevertheless, their earnings did beat analyst estimates and the company shares rallied around 2.5% after the announcement. However, the company's smaller AI rival, SK Hynix, actually saw their shares rally almost 10%. And on the subject of results, we've had another tech giant reporting. How did Meta get on? Yeah, Meta reported both revenue and guidance, beating expectations. Uh, second quarter revenue was 32 billion US dollars, compared with analysts' average projections for 31.1 billion. Meta said that sales in the current quarter will be 32 billion to 34.5 billion, which is also topping average estimates. And shares in the company rallied nearly uh, 7% in late trading. And anything else uh, market wise you'd like to highlight for us? Well, we, we probably could have spent an hour or two discussing all the results coming in, Helen. Uh, we simply can't cover them all. But uh, listeners might be interested in Nestle's results, which came out a little while ago. Their revenue has risen 8.7% in the first half of the year, beating expectations of 8.4%. And the company's also raised the lower end of its forecast range for full year sales growth. And looking ahead at markets today? Forecasters expect a quarterly report on gross domestic product out today to show that the US economy has expanded by an annualised 1.8% in the April to June period. We'll also have personal consumption expenditures and initial jobless claims from the US. Obviously, we've got the uh, ECB rate decision coming up today. Markets have priced in a further 25 basis point hike to take the deposit rate to three and three quarter percent. And of course, it's another bumper earnings day um, and a big day for the Dow Jones with three of its biggest names reporting. Uh, McDonald's, Honeywell and Intel will all announce results. It's going to be a very busy day, Helen. <laughs> That's it from me. Great. Thanks very much, Bernadette, for the roundup this morning. Now, Norbert, thank you for joining the podcast this morning as well. So we're talking about oil. Oil prices seem to have settled above $80 per barrel. Where do you think this bullishness or at least slight bullishness is coming from? Well, uh, top of mind of the oil market really remains this whole narrative about uh, tightening supplies. So the consensus broadly expects demand to exceed supply for the remainder of this year. This should obviously lend tailwind to prices. And maybe this is what we're seeing here in the market, that the market somehow adjusts to this view. A view, to be honest, that hasn't really shared by the market oil prices themselves for quite a long time. Um, if you look at oil consumption in the Western world, this largely stagnates, if not recedes in some areas because of the lackluster growth and also because in parts of the energy transition and namely the shift uh, towards electric vehicles. Um, if you look at oil demand growth globally, this really hinges on China, fully depends on China, given the dominant size of its economy rather than some smaller emerging markets. But also, if you look at China, uh, I think we heard it a couple of times here, uh, the economy there really, really also rather stagnates. Do you think China might surprise the market with strong demand for oil, though? Well, China's growth prospects are really overshadowed by the demographic and structural challenges present in the property market. And if you look at the support, or all the hopes that uh, the, the market has on the government and its support policies there, the policy 
Toolberg rather seems to aim at offering stabilization and not really stimulus the economy. There's also some other uh, interesting things to notice uh, from the oil market perspective. There's some anecdotal evidence that some of the recently rather robust oil demand uh, in parts went into domestic oil product storage. And there's another way that some of this demand, in fact, found its way back uh, as commodities, as exports of commodity chemical chemicals, because China has become a really powerhouse in terms of producing the basic commodity chemi chemicals. So this kind of behind the scenes trends really suggests that some of the impact of this robust oil demand is overall then less pronounced for the market overall. And what about the petro nations and their oil politics? What are your latest thoughts on this? Well, this is also definitely an element of play, and uh, Saudi Arabia has been uh, so far maintaining through its solo effort, its uh, production cuts. So this might also add to some of the uh, tightening or should, at least that's the, the aim of the whole strategy. But the way forward for this kind of oil politics really offers a great degree of uncertainty to the oil market, because the current way oil politics are done with Saudi Arabia's solo effort is unlikely to continue for much longer because uh, it's not in the interest of Saudi Arabia to step in for everyone else. So the question is, will the petro nations agree a kind of for shared production cuts, so burden sharing among everyone of the broader group of the OPEC plus? Um, but this is something that we actually have failed to do so early this year. Um, so bottom line is for us that the oil market continues to see um, some tensions, especially coming from the petro nations oil politics behind this yeah, below this rather surprisingly calm surface. Uh, overall, we stick we stick to a view that we are slightly less convinced of this narrative of a strong fundamental tightening, and thus this is also the reason why we stick to a neutral view on oil for the time being. Okay, great. Thanks very much, Norbert, for the update. And let's finish off then with you, Nicola. Thanks for joining us today as well. So we've had heard um, already that this is a pretty busy week this week. What do you make of uh, all the latest data? Thank you, Alan, and good morning, everyone. Yeah, quite a lot of news to digest indeed this week. But in general, we do not see them as a major game changer to our current view. I mean, when it comes to the Fed, the 25 basis point rate hike was almost a certainty for several weeks already. And also the very likely 25 basis points by the ECB today would not really surprise anyone. Where it gets more interesting is on the outlook, though. As I said in earlier editions, inflation has followed different paths on both sides of the Atlantic. The US is currently well ahead in terms of the disinflationary trend taking shape. And that's why we think the Fed hike could be the last one of the current hiking cycle. As for the ECB, it is less clear whether it has finished its work. Current market pricing hits, hints at another hike in September, but we think the ECB is increasingly at risk of over-tightening if they did so. In our view, the current backdrop allows both central banks to engage in a wait-and-see approach, including close monitoring of the lagged effects of their tightening measures. Okay, so there are no big headwinds from central banks expected. What about the earnings season? What are your thoughts there? Well, also there, we do not expect any major implications for our medium-term view. Of course, there was a bit of noise surrounding the earnings of the mega-cap tech stocks, such as Microsoft, Alphabet, or Meta, as they were part of the small group that did all the heavy lifting in terms of market performance this year, the risks were there that they could lead the market on the way down as well, should they miss their target significantly. However, 
as we know by now, reports were more or less in line with the expectations, so we do not expect the market mood to change significantly. Okay, and possibly a difficult question, but how long do you think the current bull market is going to last? Yeah, that's always tricky indeed, but we think the current equity bull market could continue to at least the spring of 2024. But again, that does not mean that the market will only go up from here, of course. The current sentiment seems pretty optimistic, especially on the side of retail investors. So we could well imagine that some negative headlines or data points could drive the markets lower in the coming weeks. But if so, we expect this to be a modest, single-digit percentage pullback, which would effectively help the bull market to continue further. That's all from my side. Back to you, Helen. Thank you very much, Nicola. Interesting to get your thoughts, as always. So that is all for today. Thanks very much to today's guests and thank you all for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and please also leave us a review on whichever platform you like to listen on. We'd love to hear your feedback. And do join us again tomorrow when I'll be joined by colleagues, including Tim Gagey, who will talk about currencies, focusing on the currencies that we talked about in our mid-year market outlook and what he has been seeing in the markets. But until then, have a great day, everyone, and bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Für unsere deutschsprachigen Zuhörer. We would also like to make you aware of Marktanalysen und Gespräche, a monthly podcast in German, where Julius Baer experts discuss some of the latest market developments. We share our key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape in German. Search for Marktanalysen und Gespräche on your favorite podcast player.